We're jumping in the Word today. We're going to be talking about the third part of our series. Uh, if you look up here behind me, you see what God has called us to. For those who don't know, before we even started this church, before I even knew we were going to plant a church, the Lord called Patty and I to step away from our jobs that we were at before and said, I, want, I, want, I have something for you and I want you to trust me. And we stepped out without knowing anything. We left our income. We left our, the job we were at, the church we were at. We just walked away from it. And we said, all right, Lord, we're ready. Whatever you want to do. Not long after that, one morning at 3 o'clock in the morning, these four words the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to embrace, encourage, equip, and empower people. And I wrote those four words down. And from that day forward, this has been what God's called us to do. And when he began to open the doors and, and begin to lead us to plant Thrive Worship Center, we knew this was the heartbeat of what we're going to do. This is what we're called to do. This is our direction from God. This didn't come from me. I'm not even smart enough to come up with that. This came directly from the Lord. And when it comes from the Lord, you need to obey what he says. There's blessing and obedience, and we'll talk about that later. Um, but there's blessings in being obedient. And I knew, you know what, God, this is what we're going to do. Now, let me just tell you now, the reason he's calling us to this is because there's people in our community that need this. And they need Jesus. And the way we're going to help bring them to Jesus is to embrace them where they are. Then encourage them. Then begin to equip them. And then empower them to go do what God's called them to do. And this is what God's called us to do. It's funny because I say this every time we talk about the vision. But um, this one per person had a great heart. And they walked out one day from Sunday. This is a long time ago. And they're not here uh, now. So don't look around because they're not here. And, uh, and they said to me, hey, man, I know another E. A fifth E we could put up on the board. And I was like, that's awesome. But God gave us those. And we are not adding to it or taking away from it. You know, it is, I'm sure it's a great E, but without hurting your feelings, it's not going on the board. You know, unless God says, put that E on the board. But this is God's thing. We're not adding to it. We're not going to change it. Every January, we talk about this. Every January, because we got to be reminded, this is the word of the Lord for this church. So we talked the first week about embracing, and what does that mean? We embrace people where they are. You know, we are not, and we, we use that analogy of the uh, lady who was caught in the act of adultery and how everybody had rocks in their hands. And Jesus said, whoever has, whoever has never sinned, you throw the first one, and everybody dropped their rocks. And we talked about how some people now look at the church like that. They see people with rocks ready to tell them how wrong they are, ready to punish them, ready to tell them, oh, that's not right, ready to go after them. And that's not, the way, that's not the way the Lord wants us to do things. Luke 14.1 says that, that often notorious sinners and tax collectors came to hear Jesus speak. Sinners, notorious sinners came to hear Jesus speak often. Why? Because there was a message of love there that even people that knew their life wasn't right still came to hear Jesus speak. Now, what happened is as a result of that, eventually you see people's lives changing. But it started with a message of love. Then we talked last week about encouraging. We talked about what does it mean to encourage someone. We talked about it means to come alongside and walk with them through difficult situations. Help them and be there for them. Strengthen them. And we related it to where how the Holy Spirit is an encourager for us. We have the Spirit of God in our lives who helps us as we're walking through life to know 
you know, what, what do we do? How do we do it? And it, the, the Bible says in John that the Holy Spirit reveals truth to us and teaches us things and shows us what the Father wants us to see and, and, and tells us what the Father wants us to hear. So God has given us an encourager to go with us every day, and it's the Holy Spirit. So we talked about that. We talked about how Naaman, when he was going to, uh, he had leprosy, and he went to uh, the prophet to be healed, and the prophet sent his servant out. The prophet didn't come out like Naaman wanted. Naaman wanted the prophet to come out and just wave his hand over him, and you're healed, and everything changed. But it didn't happen that way. So Naaman got mad, and he started going home, and he wasn't even going to go to the Jordan River like he was told to dip seven times. But you know what? It was those people that were around him that said, hey, listen, don't get frustrated. Just, just do what he said. Thank God for people that are in your life pointing you to do what God says. Everybody in your life isn't an encourager. You need people that are going to encourage you to do the things of the Lord. Not people that will encourage you to stay in your stuff. But people that will encourage you to go to the Lord and allow the Lord to help you. That's what we need in our life. Today we're going to talk about equip and what does it mean to equip. And when you think about equip, you think about having everything that you need to do whatever you're supposed to do. You know, I was, um, I tried to change a, a light in my daughter's room yesterday. I'm not an electrician, um, but I thought, hey, how hard can it be? Only to take it all apart and realize I don't really have everything that I'm supposed to have. So I had to go find and I had to go get the proper materials. And just so you know, um, I'm not sure everything is perfect, but there is no fire and the light comes on. So we're going to leave it for now and uh, just pray over it every morning as we flip that switch that it all, it all works. Uh, but there's things that you have, to, you have to know. You have to have the right tools if you're going to do a job. Right? You have to know, I, this is what I need. If, if I'm going to do this, then I need this. If I'm going to hammer that nail in the wall, then I need a hammer. So, so equipping means to give us the things we need. And one translation says, to, um, it's not just about equipping and having equipment. It's about you being equipped. And the way the Bible talks about equipping in a couple of different places, we're going to look at in a minute, it means this, to make one what he ought to be. In other words, equip you into being who God's called you to be so you can do what he's called you to do. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So I want to look at these three scriptures to start with. Then we're going to talk a little bit about this. And then we're going to go through that last section. So we have to be equipped. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you right now how you can be equipped. All right? Because before you can help equip others, you have to be equipped. Look at Hebrews 13, 20, verse, and 21. Now may the God of peace, say that with me. May the God of peace who brought you up from the dead, our Lord Je who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he, who's it talking about? God. The same God that raised Jesus from the dead. Is that a powerful God? Absolutely. The same God that raised Jesus up from the dead, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. 
This passage is saying this, that God will equip you to do everything that he has caused you to do. Everything that is his will, he will equip you to do it. To do those good things that pleases him. How many of you honestly want your life to please God? Now keep your hands up. Let me ask you this question. What if it requires something of you? What if there's something you have to change? Still want to please him? Well, let me just tell you this. Whatever you want to do to please God, whatever he's called you to do, here's the the great part about God. He equips you. God will never say, go do this and not help you do it. Never. I'm a great example. I say this all the time just so you understand I'm, I'm just like you. I never wanted to plant a church. I never wanted to be a pastor. I was youth pastoring, hanging out with teenagers, loving it, having a great time. And when the Lord began to move me in another direction, there's like no, there's no way. And I told God, God, I, I can't, I can't pastor. I don't know how. I'm bigger than these teenagers. They'll do what I say. Adults? People older than me, people smarter than me, people wiser than me, and I'm going to be the pastor? That's like a kid teaching adults in school. I'm not qualified to do that. There's a lot of things I still don't understand. So I, I had those times. And you know what? Here's the promise, that if God calls you to do something, he equips you. In other words, God said, listen, let me just tell you, that's the whole reason I'm asking you. Because I will do it through you. You don't have to have the, you don't have to have the ability. You have to have availability. If you're available, I'll do it through you. That's, that's how he equips. So equipping comes from God. Do you think God can help you do anything? Yeah. What if God says, I want, you to, I want you to sell everything and go to the mission field? First response, nope. Second response, nope. But eventually as you open your heart up to the Lord, guess what? If he's telling you to do that, he's going to give you everything you need to do it, including the desire. We used to think that if you say yes to God, he's going to make you do something you hate. Guess what? I didn't want a pastor. But as I begin to open my heart up to the Lord, guess what? I don't want to do anything else. Back in the day, you were looking at the next FBI agent. I mean, I'm telling you, I was preparing. I followed people. I I practiced surveying stuff. I I did everything. I was going to be the man. I was going to solve all the crime. I was going to be the superhero of the world. And you know what? I would never go back. I would never even think of that idea anymore. I am more fulfilled now than ever in my life in in, in what I'm doing. How? God equips me. He helps me. And I still have those days when I get a phone call or something happens and I think, God, I don't don't know what to do. And I can kind of hear God saying, you always say that. He's like, haven't you understood? I don't need you to know what to do. I need you to let me just use you. 
Because you know what I'm going to do through you, Scott, if you'll just stay open? I'm going to embrace every person you come in contact with. I'm going to encourage people you come in contact with. And, and I'm going to equip people that you come in contact with. And I'm going to empower people. In other words, we're just a vessel. We're just a vessel. Let's go to the next scripture. And just so you're not getting worried, we're going to spend more time here than the bottom section. You'll be like, he's only gone through one scripture and it's already. Don't worry. Relax. <laughs> Lunch is coming in. We ordered pizza. We'll be done by four. All right. Just kidding. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is inspired by who? And is useful to teach us what is true, make us realize what is wrong in our lives, correct us when we're wrong, and teach us, leave it here for a minute, and teach us to do what's right. So here's what the scripture does. It, it, it teaches us what's right, then it reveals in us what's wrong, and then once it points out, like, hey, that's not the best thing, you know what the scripture does? It helps you correct it. See, you know, we, when, we, when we talk about correction, so many times we have this view of God that he's like, no! That's not God. That's not how his word does it. His word says, hey, that's not the best move. Let me show you the right move. That's not the right step. Let me show you the right step. It's not just about saying no, but about helping them know what is correct. And he changes your course and he corrects you. And then he teaches you what's right. So now you'll begin to learn, okay, this is a better way. This is the way I need to go. The word equips you. Let's look at verse 17. God uses it, talking about the word, to prepare and what? Equip his people to do every good work. Again, you're talking about equipping, and in this vision, and even at times in the past when we've talked about it, we have to be very careful that we don't put the responsibility of equipping on us. Is the responsibility that I have to equip, we're going to get there in a minute. But it comes from God. It's not me, it's God. And that's what we're going to talk about. So let's go to the last verse in that section. Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. These are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Guess what? I am a gift to you from God. And you don't have the receipt. So you can't take me back or turn me in. God has gifted the church, overall church, with pastors and leaders. And also apostles, prophets, teachers, all of that. And then here's what the responsibility is. The responsibility is to what? Equip God's people. Okay, so here's the gift, the pastor, and I'm not, listen, not a gift like, oh, he's so wonderful. No, without God, I am not wonderful. Without God, you are not wonderful. We only are who we are because of God. So this is not, check the, oh, pastor, what a gift. No, okay? I mean, yes, the Bible says I'm a gift, but I have a, I have a serious responsibility. And the Bible says that, teach, in James, it says that teachers are going to be held to a much more accountability. So I have a responsibility. If you wonder why I still get nervous sitting up here, and if you don't think I do, I'm just telling you, every Sunday I get nervous. Every Sunday I get nervous to come up here. You know why? Because I know that I'm speaking on behalf of God. And if I mess it up, I will be held accountable for that. 
But I am responsible to allow God to use me to equip you to do his work and build up the church. So again, even in this passage, the equipping doesn't come from the pastor. It comes through the pastor at times. But the equipping, the pastor came as a gift from God. There's people in your life, not just pastors, people in your life that God uses to help equip you. And God can use people. But you need to make sure that they're connected to God. Now I want to show you a little illustration here to, uh, to help illustrate this. All right? Uh, John, can you grab that extension cord for me? And you can plug it in right there with that. You can unplug that cord and plug the extension cord in. Thank you, sir. All right. Now, well, I was getting ready to say, <laughs> we got a whole nother illustration if that light doesn't come on. All right. Now, here's what I want to illustrate to you. This outlet right here is going to represent God. That's the source of power. For those who are real technical, yes, we know it goes all the way to the plant somewhere. We're going to say right here, though, this is the power, the source of power. This is God, right? This is us. Okay? This could be us. This could be the church. And then this is you or this is people. God wants us to embrace people, encourage people, and that's how we help people connect with God. When we begin to allow the Lord to use us to equip people, we have to at some point get people to unattach from here and attach to there. And let me tell you why. How many of you in here are human? For those who didn't raise your hand, you just lied in church. Um, but there's a lot of times that here's what happens. We have people looking to us for strength, looking to us for hope. Do we have it? If we're connected there, we do. We're connected there, we do. But let's just say this is someone who's just needing some help. And they plug into us because we're connected to God. But what happens in something in our life, and I've seen it happen. What happens when there's something in our life and we get messed up? Then people connected to us get messed up. Do you know why there's a lot of people not in church today? Because they had their hope in the church. And when the church didn't do exactly what they thought they should have done, or if the church made a mistake, or if a pastor made a mistake, it affected everybody. Because everybody's hope was in the man. Everybody's strength was in the man. Or in the church. Or in the person. And here we are. As long as we're connected here, that's Okay. Because there's going to be times in our life people aren't going to connect to God right away sometimes. 
And this is how we begin. The embrace encourage. It connects people. We connect people to God by loving on them and demonstrating God's love. But then there comes a time where we're going to have to. Have to take people and bring them over here. And let them connect to the power themselves. Because if we keep people connected to us, then there's potential that when we mess up or if we go our way, we affect them. God is the one who equips. And I'm just going to tell you, I had a, some situations this past week. I'm going to just, real quick, I'm going to tell you where God's, what God's helping me with. Is this year for Thrive Worship Center, this is what God spoke to me. More me than even the church. I want you to focus inward. You would think as a church, God, focused, God wants us to focus outward. Let's go reach all these people. No. He's saying, I want you to get healthy on the inside. And part of that for me is one, physically, I have to get healthier. Spiritually. I want to get healthier. Emotionally, I want to get healthier. And as a church, I want us to look at us. I want to make sure that we're putting our strength where it's supposed to be. That we're putting our hope in our source of power. That we're not connecting to, listen, don't get me wrong. We talked about encouraging. We need people to come around us. But those people that are around us better be connected to the source, and eventually we need to get connected to the source. There's going to be times we need people around us. Listen, you're still going to be an extension cord. You're still going to have people connect to Jesus. But you've got to make sure that as you encourage them and as you come around them that you're getting them connected to Jesus. Otherwise, you're their source of strength. And the Lord really spoke to me this year, like, look, I'm going to do a lot in your life, and I'm going to help you, but we've got to make sure people are pointed to Jesus. And as much as I say up here, hey, listen, you need Jesus more than you need me. And if you're going through something, I will do my best to help you. But your first call has to be to Jesus. Because if you call me thinking I can fix it and you bypass Jesus, you've already made your problems worse. Because if you call me, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to bring Jesus. But eventually, you need to tap into Jesus yourself because if I'm not there, then you don't have hope. So here's what happened. Not too long ago, there was a situation one afternoon, and there was a couple in the church that was ministering to another couple in the church. There was some stuff going on, and a guy calls me, and he's like, hey, this is what's going on. We're over here. We're trying to help and, and this and that. And, and I was like, man, that's awesome. You know, let me know what's going on. Well, I hung up. That was on a Sunday afternoon, and I hang up. And I'm like, I should be over there. I'm the pastor. I should be over there. I mean, these, you know, that's what I do. I'm here to, and I wrestled. Even though I say, listen, God is your source. I wrestled with, am I being responsible? Am I doing what a good pastor should do? Should I, should I drop every, what I'm doing now and just run over there? And here's what the Lord said. And when I say the Lord said, it wasn't like, God, listen. It wasn't like audible, but in my heart, I knew. Why does it have to be you? Why can't I use other people? If I'm the source, then let me be the source. And I stayed home. 
few days later in the office, there was someone who, uh, they had a family member in the hospital. And I had a meeting I needed to go to, and I was going to tell Chris or Curtis, I said, listen, I need, because one of y'all go to the hospital. But there was something in me like, well, I wanted to go. I wanted to go. Because I thought, I'm the pastor. I'll go to the hospital. I know them. Uh-huh. So here's what I did. I said, I, I, I just hopped around. I was like, Chris, Curtis, can y'all, you know what? Never mind. I can do it. I'll just do it after my meeting. And then I was like, well, what do y'all got going? I mean, can you run out to the hospital for me and just, just go pray with them, check on them? They're like, yeah. And I was like, you know what? I just wrestled. And then once again, I have this thing in my heart that says, why does it have to be about you? If I'm the source, let me be the source. Teach other people to let God use whoever he wants to use, however he wants to use them. I do. If you, if you, some of you know this because you've been involved in different ministries, but I sometimes keep my hands in every little ministry. And I'm like, you can lead, but I'm just going to have my hand on your shoulder the whole time you're leading this ministry. So basically just, I'm going to say to you and you say to them, but I'm just going to lead. I'm like that annoying backseat driver. Y'all have one, probably sitting right next to you. But we all have those, and it's annoying when you think, okay, you want me to drive? Yeah, you drive. Wait, slow down, slow down. Wait, back up, back up. You're too close. I do that. Poor Patty, she, she's better at it than I am as far as driving, but I am a horrible backseat driver. I don't know why, I just think, Patty, I can open their trunk from here. Back up. Back up. But to her, she's not that close. But for me, I'm like, I could just like see what's in there. I could pick at their grocery bag right here. You are like right on them. But she's not, but to me, and that's that, that's how I would lead. And so far this year, I am releasing, you know what? Go do what God's called you to do. I'm backing off of this. Yes, I'm responsible. I'm going to steward this church very well. I'm going to make sure everybody who's leading the ministry knows what they're going to do and what, what expectations we have, and we're going to stay connected, but I'm not going to feel the pressure to make sure everything falls to me because Jesus is our source. So this is what I'm doing. As a pastor, I'm detaching people from me, and I'm pointing them to God. Go embrace, encourage, equip, and empower people in your ministry. And don't be that ministry that has to be there for everybody all the time. Do everything for everybody all the time. Your job in leading a ministry is to get people that you're connected to, to Jesus. So you're not out making all these visits. You're not out trying to make sure everybody's fine all the time. You're, not, you're appointing people to Jesus so people can stand on their own two feet at some point and say, no matter what comes my way, I have everything I need to stand because I'm equipped by God not by a person. If God wants to use me, then yes, there will be times someone is connected to you and you're a vessel that God is using. But don't ever get people to put their hope in this cord. Because I'm going to tell you what, when this cord is detached, nothing comes out of here. You will affect nobody if you're not attached to the Lord. You know what I'm saying? You follow that? All right. Let's keep going. Now, we're going to look at this Ephesians 4 passage. And this is what God has called us to do. These are the gifts Christ has given the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The responsibility to equip God's people to do his work, build up the body of Christ. Now, let's, just, let's, let's, uh, let's start right there. Now, here's what he equips us to. Look at verse 12. He equips us to equip God's people to do his work. 
and build up the church, the body of Christ. Build up, in other words, to encourage. So here's what part of what God is calling us to do. First of all, let's take it this way. He's called us to do his will. He's called us to do his will. God has plans for you, and they're good. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Look to your neighbor and say, God's got plans for you. And here's the, pro- here's the promise. His plans are good. They're not for disaster. They give you a hope. They give you a great future. Those are God's plans. Let's go to uh, Ephesians 2.10. It says this, <clears throat> For we are his workmanship created unto Christ Jesus to do good works where God had already ordained for you to do. All right? So don't worry about it if it's not up. There it is. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. He's got plans for us. They were plans for you a long time ago. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you here are struggling doing what God's called you to do. You know why? Because you think people have to equip you. I'm going to tell you, if you'll say yes to God and do what he's called you to do, I am living proof that he will walk with you, he will help you, he will equip you. But at some point, you're going to take the step to say, God, if this is what you want, this is what I'm going to do. And you'll find that every step you take, you are strengthened to do it. And you are equipped to do it. God would never ask you to do something without preparing you to do it. So there's good plans for you. Now you say, well, how do I know what those plans are? How many have ever heard someone say, well, you know, listen, there's nothing wrong with praying. God, whatever your will is. But at some point, he wants you to know. If God has something for your life... You know, listen, when you're young and your little brother, little sister, they want to know something and you know, yeah, it's fun holding it in. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. Come on, man. Where are we going? I'm not telling you. God's not like that. Look at Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Living sacrifice. Usually sacrifice means something dies. In other words, you're living to the Lord, dying to yourself, to your flesh. The kind that he finds acceptable, this is the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God, say that, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, That Greek word there, transform, it means the Greek word is metamorpho, which is where we get metamorphosis from. In other words, that transformation that happens in the natural is when a little slimy, hairy-looking caterpillar goes through this process and then turns into this beautiful butterfly. And here's what God wants to do in you. That place where you feel like, I just can't, you just feel like you're barely making it, crawling along the ground, getting stepped on, life is just horrible. And God wants to help change the way you think so you begin to flourish as this beautiful creation going over the things that you used to never be able to get through. That's what God wants to do in you and transform you to a whole different person by changing the way you think. Once he does that, then listen to this, then you will learn how to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So, according to this scripture, 
Do you think you can know God's will? Absolutely. You will learn to know it as you let the Lord transform your thinking. And that's by presenting yourself to him. God, whatever you want, help me. And he'll change you. God will totally do the work for you. It will not require some labor, some, oh, I just have to. I'm telling you, God will, God will do the work. All right. Second thing in that same scripture, it says to build each other up. So we encourage one another. And you can look at these scriptures, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Encourage each other and build each other up, just as you're already doing. Let's go to the next scripture, John 15, 12. This is my commandment, love each other the same way I loved you. So again, we're encouraging people the way God loves and encourages us. Romans 15, 1 and 2. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up. How? In the Lord. How we build them up in the Lord. We don't build them up with just wonderful talk. We build them up in the Lord because that's where the source of power is. That's how they're going to be equipped. The Bible says with God you can do anything, but also says apart from him you can do nothing. So we need to make sure that we're connected to the Lord. All right. The next thing in that passage, in verse 13 of Ephesians 4, it says that we are going to be unified in our knowledge and in our faith. Unified. In other words, that we're coming together, that God will unify us in the knowledge and the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's where we want to go. That's, that's a sign that God is equipping us, and this is what happens as, we be, as we're being equipped, as we read that passage. All right? So let's look at Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. Listen to this prayer that Paul prays. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. So Paul's prayer for the church was that you would grow in your understanding and knowledge of God. And as a result, we'll do all the good things that God has planned for us. And we'll continue to know him even better and better. Hebrews 11.6. It is impossible to please God without faith. You think God wants us to grow in our faith? Well, yeah. Why? Because you can't please God without it. It's impossible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants you to grow in your faith and understanding of him. Let's go to the next scripture. Romans 10, 17 says this about faith. Faith comes by hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. Right now, your faith should be growing because you are hearing the word. Hearing the word. Now, when it talks about where it says hearing the good news, the word, the Greek word there is actually a meaning that is, it's a rhema word is what the Greek word is, rhema. And you know what it means? Spoken. Spoken word. Do you know how you can encourage yourself in the things of God? Speak it. If you wake up in the morning and you feel like I'm nothing, you look yourself in that mirror, say, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. 
because he says I am. And I can say that. Read the word as you read the word. I'd encourage you sometimes if you're by yourself, read it out loud. Might be a little irritating if you're at Starbucks, if you're real loud. But wherever you're at, read it. Read it. Let's see, you can not only say it, you read it, you see it, but you also hear it. The word of God will help build your faith. It'll encourage you. It'll remind you of the things of God, and faith holds fast to that stuff. Even before you see it, faith says, you know what? I'm on a process. I'm not there yet, but I'm on a journey, and I'm growing. All right? Then it says this in verse 13 and 14 of Ephesians chapter 6. Be on guard. Oh, this is, uh, yeah, we just stay there. Okay, there we go. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. God wants us to mature as believers. This is what he does as he's equipping us. It says he equips us so we can grow in the unity and faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, but also that we can grow and mature as believers so we're not going to just fall prey to every little thing that people say. Because can I tell you, there's a lot of people in the world today that they take the word and they want to apply it. They make the word apply to whatever they want to do. They're going to find something to justify what they do. And we do the same thing. The church does the same thing. We want to take something and make it what, what helps us feel better instead of letting the word be the standard that we live up to or that we strive to live up to. And I'm telling you, it's, it's as you grow in, the, in, the, in your walk with God, he's going to mature you to see the word for what it says and to stand in it and to grow in it even when it's difficult. Even when it's going to require change. Any, any change that happens in your life is going to produce wonderful things if it's something God's doing. You'll be more happy. You'll be more fulfilled. You'll be more excited than ever before. You'll have more joy. You'll have more peace. You'll have more hope. You'll, will you go through difficult stuff? Absolutely. But you'll still make it. You'll still make it. So part of maturing means that we're going to grow in the things of God. And that we're not going to just hear what people say and, and, and believe it. It's sad, but people sometimes say things that just, they don't encourage anybody. They just don't encourage anybody. You know, I, I uh, it, was a, it was a while back, but I remember there was someone that was going through, I think it was a financial thing. And, um, and I remember I was talking to them and they said, well, I just know that, you know, because of the way the world is today, that God just doesn't do miracles anymore. Something along that line, something about because of the condition of the world. And I was like, that's not true. We just said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. My Bible says that Jesus said the greater things will you do than what I did. My Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me. Listen, I don't, I don't, when I go to the hospital, I don't go to the hospital like, whew, poor you. Just wanted to say, hey. 
That's not a hospital visit. Look, who wants that? I just heard you was really sick. <laughs> Have a good day, okay? Just did my duty to stop by. No, you know what? We go in there and we pray. And we pray. And we pray for healing. We pray for strength. We pray for comfort. We pray for peace. The results aren't up to me. Praying is up to me. We pray. We serve a big God. And if you think this life just happens however it happens, I'm just telling you, you're missing it. God is way bigger than you think. And I guarantee we're gonna, some people are going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, why didn't you even ask me for anything? I want to get to heaven and God say, boy, you about wore me out. Always asking for something else. Lord, do this, do this. Let's pray. Let's believe God. Let's pray. We serve a miracle working God. We do. There's people in this room that have experienced the miraculous power of God when we prayed. There's people alive today that six years ago they were told they had six weeks because we prayed. I'm telling you, God's good and he's big. All right. Completely lost my place, but that's still good. God is big and God is good. To grow spiritually. All right. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians 16, 13 and 14. Be on guard. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong. We do everything with love. Let's keep going. Hebrews, uh, I mean Colossians 1, 23. You must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance that you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So even again, Paul's saying, listen, the good news is being preached. I'm preaching it, but the good news is about God. And stand firm in it. Stand firm. One of the greatest things we can do is learn as believers, learn how to stand even in difficulty. Learn how to stand. In, in Ephesians chapter 6, when God says, it says, put on the armor of God. It doesn't say put on the armor of God so you can go fight like crazy. That's not what he says. He said put on the armor of God and you stand. You know why you have to stand? Because you're, you're already in victory. The enemy wants to try to push you back and make you back off of what you think and what you believe and, and what God wants to do in your life. And you need to stand in the victory that God has already given you. Because it, God has already destroyed the works of the evil one. God is victorious. His word says that you and I are more than conquerors through him. And we just need to stand in that. We need to be confident and stand. Ephesians 6, verse 10 and 11. One final word. Be strong. Repeat the next phrase. In the Lord. And in what? His mighty power. Again, can I just tell you how freeing that is? How many of y'all have faced something or are facing something? And you're like, I got no strength left. Oh, nobody. Okay. Well, let's pray. Y'all go on home. See you. No, we all face it. We all face times. I, I have no strength left. I'm done. Nothing left. Can I just tell you the freedom that is in that? Because it is actually in your weakness that his strength is perfect. And sometimes you're better off when you don't have any strength because the only strength you can walk in is God's. And it says, be strong in the Lord 
You were never called to be strong by yourself. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's, that's where your strength comes from. And then finally, the last part of Ephesians, it talks about that we'll function as a healthy body. And that we'll be healthy. You know what a healthy body does? It's there for each other. It speaks the truth, but it speaks the truth in love. So we can grow and then we all do our part. We all fit as part of the body. Look at these scriptures real quick. 1 John 3, 18 and 19. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, but let's show the truth by our action. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we'll be confident when we stand before God. Proverbs 17, 17. Iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Let's keep going. For even the Son of Man came not to serve but to be served, to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, let's go to yep, Mark 9. After, after they arrived in Capernaum and settled in the house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. Can you imagine? The disciples are like, oh, I'm better than you. Oh, oh, no, I'm the greatest. When Jesus was calling us, he said my name first. Because you can imagine all that conversation. And he sat down and he called the 12 disciples over to him and he said this, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Listen, I put all these scriptures together and I read them all together because here's the deal. God wants us to all help each other and to function as a body. But the greatest thing we can do is to love one another and to serve one another the way Jesus modeled. And in doing so, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take people from the end of that cord. We're going to plug them straight into there. Because there's a reason why people sometimes don't connect to that. It's because they don't like what they're getting out of this. And I don't mean that in a mean derogatory way. But we got to make sure we're demonstrating the love of God to people. And that we're realizing we are not people's answer. God is the answer. And God is doing something in me, in this church, in all of us. That he is getting us more attached to him and less attached to each other for our strength. We'll still be around on each other. We're still going to help each other. But it all comes from God. When you read this about the body, you know what? Christ is the head of the church. We're the body. Everything comes from him. It's how we work with one another, how we help one another. That's all coming from our connection to him. And I want to go back to this as I close. This illustration that I showed you earlier. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people, and I, and, and I have my moments too. But there's a lot of people who, uh, who want this more than they want the other. And I'll tell you why. Because you can see this. You can, you can touch this. You understand this. And sometimes that's good. Sometimes God wants to use this. So you actually have people that you can 
sit with and talk with. But the negative side of this, it's not fair to this cord to carry the pressure to do everything that this needs. Because this can short out, this can mess up, this can stop working. The source of the power, it'll never stop working. This can. And I'm telling you, in everyday life, whether it's relationships, whether it's business, whether it's just friendships, whether it's family members, we put a lot of pressure on people to do what we think we need them to do. You know what that shows us? We're connected to the wrong thing. I've done it. I thought, Lord, if this person would only do this, I'd feel better. If this person would act this way or if this person would do this or if they wouldn't have said that, you know, if everybody would just walk out of church, oh, you're so awesome, then I'll feel better. Guess what? And please don't do that today. <laughs> okay. That's not what I need. I need to be connected to God so I know that what I'm saying is coming from him. And the way I'm living is because of him. And at the end of the day, when I stand before the Lord, you know what I want to hear? Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You trusted me. You trusted me. You put your hope in me. You put your strength in me. And I know what it is to live a life where you want everybody else to be that source. But it's impossible. And it's a horrible example to other people. I've been in places where every all all your you know people go through something they got to have the pastor they got to have somebody and in the beginning stages yes but as you mature in the lord which is what i'm supposed to allow the lord to speak to me to equip you to do the work of the ministry what he's called you to do that you would mature and grow and at some point at some point you're going to need to be able to stand on your own two feet. And even if you wobble a little bit, that's okay. And if you fall, we'll help you get back up. But you begin to take steps in trusting God that he's your source. See, people have a hard time. They, if, if you look at your hope in the church, people have a hard time with it. Because you're looking, you're looking at the church. You're looking at people. And how many of you have seen a believer and said, I don't want any of that? That's the person. That's not the God. That's the person. But because sometimes the way people act and the way they live their life, and when they get off the mark, if they're the ones we're looking at, then when they fail, we don't want anything to do with it. Then we think that's how God is. That's not a fair representation. And even, even when it comes to, to serving or giving, you know, I know this might step on people's toes, but it's the truth. You know why some people struggle with tithing? Because you think you're giving to the church. That's supposed to go to God. You know how some people struggle serving and helping because you think the church is just pressuring you to do something. Now, we don't pressure you. But some people do it because, well, it just makes them feel better. Well, you know, I've been in those churches where they want to try to push and force. I need 22 champions, 22 $1,000 champions, step up. I'm like, no thanks. 
God's our source. But I'm going to tell you, if you want God to be the source in your life, be reading what he says. Don't let the church or people stop you from doing what God's told you to do. Because he's the source. And I'm telling you, if you begin to live your life, that this is a place you come get encouraged to continue to do what you're doing in walking with God. And instead of thinking that, that this is your God moment, I'm just going to tell you something. When you get in your car and leave here, you ready for this revelation? God is still with you. So if you're connected there, you got that all week long. But if you're connected here, and this is, you come here to have your God time because you're connected to the church, then when you go out of there, you're on your own. So there's times, yes, you're connected and connected at the same time sometimes because there's, God can use people to equip you. But for us, if we're going to equip people, we got to point people to Jesus. we got to point people to Jesus. Jesus will be the one to change people's lives. Because you know who changed your life? Jesus. Someone told me one time, Pastor, since I've been at this church, my life has changed drastically. And I thought, if we didn't, if we didn't speak the word and we didn't worship God, what if we just came in here and sat, played Monopoly? They wouldn't have that same thing. Pastor, this church has changed my life. Not in that way. I passed go six times. Collected to $1,200. They would do nothing. You know what changes people? Not the church. God used the church. But God changed you. And he's still changing you. And he's still changing me because he is the source of equipping us to do what he's called us to do. Next week we're going to talk about now that, we, now that he's, now we're connected to him, watch the stuff we can do. We are going to now walk with power. That is way more than power we have on our own. That's what God's going to do in us. Look at your neighbor and say, you're equipped. Stay plugged into Jesus.